Welcome to Big Time Adulting, the podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Murray, and I'm here to take it deep with you on adulthood, womanhood, motherhood, and whatever other things end in hood that we can think of. It's going to be real, it's going to be honest, and we are going to laugh until a little pee comes out. If you've been looking to find a podcast to relate to as a woman and a mom, and you're kind of awesome, which you definitely are, subscribe now. Hi guys, here we are on episode two, episode dose. Woo! Can't believe we're really doing this podcast thing now. Can you? I know. Anyway, um, this is actually like episode one since the first episode was just a brief description of the basis of the podcast, but it makes me feel a little more accomplished to say I'm already on episode two. So that's what we're going to do. Um, Anywho, on episode one, I mentioned I would describe a little bit more about myself, which is useful since I'm like a no-name person, unlike some other popular podcast hosts who I love, like Dax Shepard from Armchair Expert or Brene Brown from Unlocking Us or Sean Hayes, Will Arnett, and Jason Bateman from that podcast, Smartless. Those guys are so funny. Um, but I, you know, I feel like saying the names of these kind of podcast giants and now hosting a podcast myself feels intimidating because, you know, I have no background in like entertainment. Um, you know, I did star in a couple of my high school theater productions, but no star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame quite yet. Um, I also have no advanced degrees. I did once complete a defensive driving course to lower my insurance after beating and getting too many points on my driver's license, but that doesn't really qualify me to say anything outside of, you know, don't speed. So basically what I'm saying is take everything you hear me say here with a fucking grain of salt. Okay. I'm just going to be spewing some shit from time to time. Um, however, despite my lack of qualifications or notoriety, I do have a personal story. And a lot of the time this podcast is going to be doing just that highlighting, you know, an unusual an exceptional inspirational, or even just like a really funny story of real normal people, maybe somebody who I know from real life, or maybe who I've sort of met along the way online on Instagram. And I just wanted to talk about sort of the reason why I am here. And um, well, really, it's mostly because I'm a loud mouth who can't help herself from sharing her motherhood experiences with anyone willing to listen. Or I don't know, maybe I'm just fucking bored out of my mind from hanging out with my small children for 95% of the last seven years. Maybe that's it. But you know, beyond my propensity to overshare my sort of diarrhea of the mouth situation, there is something that happened to me as a mom that kind of launched me on this whole journey of blogging and then Instagram and now podcasting, which was in fact a a very sad uh, and scary event. And what happened is that in December of 2016, my three-year-old son, Callum, who uh, is my firstborn, who was then three years old, I should say, was diagnosed with leukemia. His subtype of leukemia is called acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And it happens to be the most common form of childhood cancer. However, 
it is really quite rare for children to get cancer, which is a huge comfort for parents, of course. But, you know, it's really anything other than common when when you think about it. And when I tell people what happened to Callum, especially moms, I find that, not surprisingly, um, they're really curious to know what happened. And I, I'm the exact same way. I mean, prior to this happening to my own son, I would have wanted to know kind of every detail. It's like something goes off for moms and they want to know in the event that this ever happened to their kid, like what would be the warning signs um, and what were his symptoms and all of that. And, and I don't like to talk about that in a way that I broadcast it because it these things present differently for every child. But there is just that anxious and protective mom response, which I totally understand because I'm the same way. But in any event, what happened was sort of a series of events that led to a diagnosis that we never expected in a million years. My son was born perfectly healthy. Everything in his life up to that point was pretty much perfect. He was like a developmental dream. The kid never even had an ear infection. And this whole diagnosis uh, changed our lives in a way that was so incredibly scary and sad. And, you know, just your really worst nightmare as a parent. And I can say that living through it has changed me in so many ways. And perhaps there have been some silver linings along the way. But of course, I would take this all away. Um, from him if I if I could. So here's what happened. My son turned three in November 2016. He sails through this three-year checkup. He's healthy and meeting or exceeding all his milestones. He's dropped his nap. He's in a little school program, a threes program, and he's thriving. So fast forward maybe three weeks. We're in early December and my son gets sick, but like not cancer sick, just like he has a stomach bug and he recovers from the stomach bug and he stops throwing up, but then he gets sick pretty much immediately again. And this time he gets sick with some sort of like upper respiratory infection virus. And he seems pretty much to have like a really bad cold, which was quite normal for this time of the year. I mean, we're talking December. So um, I take him to the doctor to get looked at and I make sure there's no obvious signs of infection going on. And still at this point, everything is presenting as sort of a normal sickness for the winter months. And now it's like a week later and my son is really starting to decline. And what you think you would see is somebody starting to get better after being sick for a week. And what originally seemed like a normal cold and flu was really worsening. And he was coughing constantly, hacking at night and up a lot of the night because of his cough. Um, and then his skin color was turning this sort of very pale and with like a yellow hue to it. He also had like no appetite whatsoever, no interest in even his favorite foods. And he was so low on energy. And I was like, you know, is he just exhausted from being up last night coughing or is this something else going on? And then he started developing fevers and they were fevers that were lasting now about six or seven days. And it was in that week that my, there were red flags going up 
everywhere for me. And I'm like kind of a nervous wreck whenever my kids get sick, but this was becoming next level for both my husband and I. And we were both becoming concerned that something really serious was transpiring with Callum because why was he not showing any signs of improvement yet? And of course, like an idiot, I go to Dr. Google. That guy is a fucking asshole who nobody should ever visit. Right. But I started to think after, you know, Googling all of his symptoms and trying to put two symptoms together and I'm like, you know, nighttime cough and cancer, pediatric cancer. And I'm like, holy shit, what if this is cancer? And at that time, I had no idea really about cancer. It was just this like um, looming fear, uh, you know, this blanket illness that I was so afraid of. And I had no idea what type of cancer we might be looking at. I was just basing this off of his worsening symptoms and the fact that Dr. Google tells everyone they have cancer. And so this is all happening pretty much in the week leading up to Christmas that year. Again, this is 2016 and he's just turned three years old and Christmas that year was on a Sunday. And now we are on Friday um, or at the end of the week, Friday before Christmas. And my mom is coming to town to spend the holiday with us. And I'm taking the kids to the train station to greet her. And I have to physically wake Callum up from a two hour nap, which was fucking nuts because he rarely, if ever, was napping at that point anymore. And it was in that moment that I got him up and he was irritated and exhausted that I knew something was really wrong. I my, my heart sank through the floor. My anxiety was through the roof and I was convinced that something was definitely, definitely wrong. So I call the doctor right away and I pick up my mom and I'm so happy to see my mom. Isn't it funny how that is when you're scared or you're nervous? Um, even when you're a grown up, you still want your mom. And so thank God she was there that day. And I, I go to hug her and she knows I'm upset and I'm like tears in my eyes and she's asking me what's wrong. And I'm telling her, I'm not sure, but we have to go straight to the doctor. So we get to the doctor. I tell the doctor there that I want blood work. And I even mention the fucking C word to her. I'm like, maybe this is crazy, but is there any way that Callum could have cancer. You know, I just don't see him improving and his color and his appetite, blah, 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 blah. And she essentially dismisses me and tells me that her exam is going to be indicative of a real problem. And if something is seeming quite alarming, that then she could order blood work. But she didn't raise any red flags that day. And I left there feeling very unsatisfied. And we were sent home basically just to monitor him over the weekend and come back in a couple of days if he doesn't improve. So now it's the weekend. Christmas happens. He has pretty much no interest in even opening his presents, which is like, if that's not a signal that a three-year-old isn't feeling well, I don't fucking know what is. And so now it's Monday, the day after Christmas, and Callum is looking and feeling awful. And we're in the middle of a little brunch, a family brunch, and I can't even get the kid to take a bite of cake. And so I'm like about to throw up. I'm so nauseous with worry at this point. So I pack him up. I bring him back to the doctor. And this time I say, we are not leaving without blood work. And 
honestly, bam, two hours later, we get a call back telling us that his results came back and they're very concerning and we need to take him to the emergency room at the local children's hospital right away. And I will never forget that phone call. I was shaking. I wanted to pass out. It was like, you know, this wave comes over you and you feel like you're having kind of an out of body experience. And I run downstairs to tell my husband what the doctor has just told me. And we pack up and we head to the hospital where essentially we begin the first day of the rest of our new lives um, with cancer. And This is where I'd like to just stop and say that your mom instincts are important and you need to listen to them and you have to be an advocate for your children and you will never, ever regret going the extra mile when it comes to your kids and getting an answer that feels right for you. And even if you get the good answer that is you know, you don't have anything to worry about. We saw the blood work. It looks normal. He's going to get better, which, you know, I prayed would have been what happened to us, but it wasn't. But had I not gone the extra mile that day and insisted on the blood work, I worry about what could have happened to Callum because at that point he was so weak. He had essentially no capability of fighting an infection if he were to get any other sickness or a flu, God forbid. And by the time we get to the hospital, they, you know, we're there now and they have to run some more comprehensive blood tests for him, but he's too weak to undergo the main diagnostic test for leukemia, which is a bone marrow aspirate, which they go in, they put the child out under anesthesia and they go in with uh, you know, kind of a scope and take a piece of their bone out to test the marrow um, because that is where the cancer cells really are created within the bone marrow. And he is too weak to get this, this procedure done. He needs to undergo a couple of blood transfusions first. And so they give him before giving him this test, but you know, he gets a little bit stronger. He gets a couple of blood infusions and we get him this diagnostic test. And I can, I'll never forget him falling asleep in my arms from the anesthesia and having to lay him down on this operating table and walk away from him that day and leave him alone in an operating room. And in less than 48 hours, we had this official diagnosis of pre-B cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And I just never expected a cancer diagnosis would all happen and unfold so quickly. I'm not sure what I did expect because I didn't know one way or another, but it just seemed to have happened so fast and immediately and without preparation, I had to become the bravest version of myself. Um, You know, a version of myself I never wanted to have to be a version of myself that I know any parent would and could become if they were faced with the same situation because you have no choice. You just have to do it. And our lives were changing before our eyes and the fear and the sadness of all of this was crippling. You know, I didn't want to eat, sleep, move. I just wanted this to go away. I I know people who have suffered real pain or loss understand me when I say this was really like an out of body experience. And 
um, you know, we made, we needed to make some decisions about Callum and his treatment. So we decided we would, we're going to be having him transferred to Memorial Sloan Kettering, which is a, a world renowned cancer center that we happen to live in fairly close proximity to. And we felt very lucky to be able to have him treated there. And, you know, I am in an ambulance ride with my son down to the new hospital where we're going to begin treatment. And I'm trying to make this ambulance ride fun for him because I didn't want him to be scared. But, you know, behind this facade, I was absolutely terrified because I knew that once we arrived at that new hospital, we would have to begin facing this diagnosis head on. And the thought of my son starting chemotherapy and getting poison pumped into his little tiny body just scared the shit out of me. And I knew, you know, that I just had to accept it. And that's what we would have to do to get him better. And I honestly never thought I would have the strength to set foot on a pediatric oncology unit, let alone have to be living on one with my firstborn son for a period of time, but you just sort of step up to the plate and deal with it. And I can remember being at the hospital in those first few weeks after his diagnosis and almost developing like a sense of calm because I had this feeling that my son was going to be okay. Then this one evening, I was going to grab some water from the pantry um, on our floor. And I walked by one of the rooms with all of these family members gathered outside of it. And, you know, it hit me that a child had just died inside that room. And I just rounded the corner and I crumbled. And the reality of where we were really set in. And let me tell you, it was a long road filled with a lot of ups and downs and some really tough chemo treatments for my son and hair loss and throwing up and zero immune system and pain and anxiety and all the awful things that you could imagine about watching your child undergo treatment for leukemia. But now, um, four and a half years later, we have our son who is fully finished with his treatment. It took um, about three and a half years to um, finish all of his treatments, which is just actually the standard length of time that it takes to treat this type of leukemia. And that was definitely a huge shock and surprise to me that it was when we got there, I was like, you know, what's the deal? Tell me what we have to do, how much chemo, how long. And to hear that we were going to be in this for over three years was like, you know, a punch to the stomach, like, holy shit, this is our life now. And we were given a treatment end date of March of 2020. And holy shit, uh, that was exactly when coronavirus hit New York, where we live. And we were going to be, you know, we had this date in our mind where we were going to have to stop worrying about chemo and hospital trips and his immune system. And we were going to be, he was going to be getting better. And we had all these fun plans. And, you know, that was sort of squashed because we were right back to quarantining all of a sudden. Um, but that is just the way the cookie crumbles uh, sometimes. And I'll tell you what, uh, we'll still get to that stuff. It's just on hold. And it, at the end of the day, none of it matters um, outside of the fact that Callum is here and healthy and with us. And 
So anyway, I just going back to the beginning of this all for a minute and how I sort of ended up doing this after my son was diagnosed, we started to communicate to our family and friends about what was going on with him. And I had begun writing these emails um, and, you know, they had they were sort of lengthy and had elements of humor and an anecdotal vibe to them. And I ended up, you know, putting them onto a blog where they could easily be accessed by anyone. And I was finding this whole experience of sharing to be so cathartic and therapeutic. And a lot of people really seem to appreciate my updates. So I thought, why not start this on a more public forum where I can share all of my feelings all of the time? Um, you know, not just about my son, but about motherhood uh, and all of the things that go along with it with more people. So I kind of took my show on the road over to Instagram, so to speak, and that's how I got there. So now here we are, we have our son Callum, who's seven, our five-year-old daughter, Faye, and our little guy, Luke, who turned two in May. And it was a tough decision to have that third baby since we were still going through a lot with our son being in treatment. And whew, it has been somewhat of an ass-kicking, I will tell you, because this kid is wild. But I often feel, um, you know, like following my heart and following my dream of having three kids, particularly after going through so much with our son is truly my life's greatest achievement. It's one of the things that I'm proudest to have accomplished today. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know how I feel also about the newborn and baby and pregnancy phases, which is that I fucking hate them. But we are really, we're kind of coming out of the woods with all of that. Even though we're entering, we're in these crazy toddler years. I actually prefer it because there's sleep consistency for the most part more. And that's a huge aspect of my mental health for me. And, you know, my older kids are just at this much more fun age and they're so much more independent. And I, I'm just so enjoying watching them grow and thrive um, and being healthy. And it's such an incredible gift. But in any event, I guess that the experience that we had been through with our son I felt like it gave me sort of a license, if you will, to say pretty much whatever the fuck I wanted about motherhood. Uh, like, you know, you can get some trolls out there on the internet who have the audacity to call mothers ungrateful if they make jokes or share in the strifes over how difficult it can be to be a mother. And to those people, I say, bitch, you don't know my life. Like, believe me, I spent years at the hospital with my firstborn child. And I went through some pain deeper than I imagined possible in that process. So yeah, I am grateful as fuck for my kids. But yeah, I still make fun of them on the daily because it's the only way through it. Sometimes you have to laugh. And, you know, that's where I feel like I really excel as a mom anyway, making fun of my children. And, uh, you know, there are two other sort of key players I haven't mentioned in this episode yet of uh, how I got started and without whom I would have not survived. And those people are my daughter and my husband. And my daughter, as pretty much a baby, she was one year old when my son was diagnosed, um, had to make so many sacrifices that she had no idea that she was even making at such a young age for her brother and staying home with him all the time and not 
going to any programs or playgrounds or outings. And she was the fire and the fun in our house. And she kept it normal for him and for us. And I thank God for her every day and for her spirit and her feistiness and for the way that she is because she pushed him and she always pushed herself because she's super competitive and that made her brother do more and be better at a time where I couldn't have pushed him. Um, I wouldn't have pushed him and he may not have pushed himself. And so I feel like we just have her to thank for being there for him as his rock and playmate throughout that incredibly long period of time. And then there's my husband, Mike, who is a total rock star. Uh, actually, he's he's not a rock star, literally. He works in the financial industry, which is sort of the opposite of being a rock star, but he is like the greatest human and he does fucking rock. Like if you saw him on the street, you'd be like, that guy rocks. I'm just kidding. I don't know if you'd say that. Maybe you would. I don't know. Anyway, we went to college together and then I moved to New York after college um, from Massachusetts originally. He's from here. He had a job here. I got a job here. And the rest is kind of history, although there are like a lot of ups and downs and crazy stories in between the beginning and now. But I will save that for another time. I'll have him on here as a guest one time and we could talk about those things, but you know what? We're just, uh, really, really lucky. Um, we have a great marriage and we've been through a lot together and I'm just so happy that it went the way that it did in terms of us being able to be good support system for each other through it all. And we're, we're really lucky to have found that sort of a partnership anyway. I just felt like it was important to share my story of how I got started on Instagram and how really validating this experience has been and how wonderful it's been to be able to be really open and raw and vulnerable and cry, I guess, and meet so many people along the way who feel so similarly to me in the ways of motherhood. And now I'm super excited to be, you know, dipping my toes into this little podcast pool. And I can't wait to do this again next week. I hope you will come back for episode three. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Subscribe to my shit. Thanks for joining me today and for listening. And if you have any suggestions or questions, you can send me a DM. That's a direct message on Instagram. You can find me at Big Time Adulting, all one word. That's all I have to say for today. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're looking for any of the resources from the episode, you can check them out in show notes. Again, if you liked listening, I'd love it for you to subscribe. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.